Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. to talk to you this morning about something the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart, and that is the covenant of peace. What were, what were the first words, you know, when Jesus was going to be born? What, what did the angel and the shepherds say? They said, peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. I tell you, if, if there's any a time, any a day, we need to hear that word peace. We need to hear it now. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion, but you can use your Bible as well in John 16, starting in verse 31 through 33. I want to just read these, to, these words to you out of the, of the Bible. How many know we're a Bible-believing church? That's why we bring our Bibles, <laughs> so we can mark in them. If you can't mark in your Bible, throw it away. I'll give you one you can mark in. Because when you mark in your Bible, it becomes personal. But Jesus replied, Now you finally believe in me, and the time has come when you shall all be scattered. Each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. Know that. The Father is always with you. And everything I taught you is so that the peace which is in me. Where do we find peace? In Jesus. So that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I was going to read the whole chapter, but it's not going to happen now. So let's go just, I'll give you a few scriptures here. Start in verse 13, 213 of Ephesians. It says, yet, look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been United to Christ. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. How many know what a non-Jew is? Gentile. Amen? A Gentile. But he's made us one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separates us and it has now made us equal through our union with Christ. 
So you don't have to get all excited when a Jew gets saved because it ain't no difference when a Gentile gets saved. Because we're one. We're one. You've got to read the scriptures. And he says, then the next verse, verse 15 says, Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been replaced by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Can I tell you what the humanity is? Humanity. Humanity. Me, man. Humanity. Jews and not Jews fused together. The two have now become one, and we live restored. My wife kept saying that today. We're restored. He came to restore us. Restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. Oh, boy, this is a word for the church today. Because if the church could just love each other and love one another and love the world, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved the church only. He said, for God so loved the world. The world and everybody in it. For the Messiah has come to preach. I love this phrase here in verse 17 of the of the. Passion Translation, it says, For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace. Sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant. Now, one thing I want you to know, Jesus has canceled all distant with you and him. There's no distance anymore. There's no delay. You don't have to look up to see God. All you have to do is look in, open your shirt. Open your blouse. He's there. He's inside. He's not up there waiting for you. He's in you. Heaven is on earth in you because Jesus lives inside of you. You're Jesus' mobile home. Amen. You're his address. And now because we are united to Christ. We both have equal and direct. We both have Jew and non-Jew. We both have equal and direct access into the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 54, New King James. Isaiah 54. I don't know if you read Isaiah 54 lately, but wow. Isaiah is a great book. 66 books. Tells us that there's 66 things going on, right? Just like there's 66 in the Bible. Sing, O barren, you have not born. Verse 1, break forth into singing and cry aloud. I think we did that quite well today, especially in that blessing song. We were crying aloud and the Spirit was moving. But let's go down to verse 9. Verse 9. In verse 10, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. And that's where you say hallelujah. <laughs> so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. 
nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. See, before God could have this kind of union with both Jew and non-Jew, before he could have that kind of fellowship with us, he had a problem to settle. How many know what that problem was? The sin problem. Sin had to be judged because righteousness demands the judgment of sin. And God in his great and amazing love for all of mankind judged the sin of the whole world in Jesus Christ. Once for all. One time. He's not going back on the cross. He's not dying again. And because God's wrath and righteous judgment has already taken place, past tense, God's wrath and judgment has already taken place, past tense, we are now free to enter into a peaceful, meaningful, harmonious relationship with a holy God. No distant. No delay. We can come boldly to the throne of grace anytime we have a need. Amen? And he'll answer us. See, the fear of penalty may change one's actions, but it will not change one's heart. The heart, your heart, my heart, is only changed one way, by love. By love. If you're trying to get somebody saved and it's not working, just love them. Love will change their hearts. Since God is a heart God and a God of love, He desires a relationship. Don't, don't mix it up. God's not about religion. He's about relationship. That scares a lot of people because they don't even like the relationship they're in, but that's what he's about. And now because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the judgment against us has been satisfied. And God can now love us into a heart relationship. Romans 2.4 says the goodness of God, it doesn't say the wrath of God, it says the goodness of God, leads to repentance. The word repentance, contrary to popular teaching, is not grieving or weeping. It may include those elements, but that's not repentance. The repentance that God requires is a change of mind. When we nurture our loving relationship with the loving God, that relationship will draw us into a change of mind. It will bring us into the place where we don't desire. See, listen, if you know who you are in Christ, you don't want to sin anymore. If you really believe that you're the son of God, a son of God, if you really believe that your identity is a son of God, sin is not a part of your life anymore. You don't struggle with it. It's all, it's all, it's all centered in identity. That's why Isaiah 54, 9 and 10, the exchange made it possible for God to be at peace with us Sin has been judged in Jesus, and we have been made righteous in him. Read Romans 5 tonight, or later on when you go home, read Romans 5 ten times in ten different translations that all say the same thing. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now we have a peaceful, loving relationship with him. See, God made an oath that his kindness and peace would never depart from us. Never. How many has ever had peace in the midst of tribulation? I have. I've been through some severe trials, but I still have peace. 
And no different than when he promised Noah that he would never destroy the earth with water again, the covenant with Noah was sealed with a rainbow. How many has ever just taken a hose in your yard, turned it on in the sun, and seen the rainbow? You don't have to wait for a storm and the, you know, the sun to shine in the sky to see that big rainbow, even though that's gorgeous. How many know we've been seeing a lot of double rainbows lately? Double rainbows. But the covenant of peace was sealed. See, the covenant with Noah was sealed with the rainbow, but the covenant of peace that I'm talking about today was sealed with the blood of Jesus. Sealed with the blood of Jesus. And our top priority as sons and daughters of God is really to know the new covenant. We are living in the dispensation of the new covenant. And I don't know about you, but because when I got started getting the revelation and I put on my grace glasses and I had to see through a new lens of understanding so I would understand the new covenant, literally just me, I'm not talking about you, just me, I had to separate myself from the old covenant for a while until I've got the tr my true identity through the new covenant. Now I can go back into the old covenant, but when I go back to the old covenant, I'm not looking for judgment or wrath because it's already been satisfied in Jesus. What I'm looking for is Jesus. You see Jesus in that song we sang in number six. That was all Jesus. We were in number six, but we were... There's golden nuggets of truth of the new covenant all through the whole Bible. They're in Jeremiah, they're in Ezekiel, they're everywhere. But you have to have the right glasses on to see it. Amen? So we are too to live, worship, and minister in this new covenant of peace because righteousness is what makes it all possible. You, you, some of you have been around and I've been teaching on the difference between works righteousness and faith righteousness. I mean, oh, in Christ we're in faith righteousness. Before Christ we're in works righteousness. And a lot of big religions in our world today live on the concept of work righteousness. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. You don't get that in the new covenant. You get all good. Amen? I mean, oh, there's no bad news in good news. And the gospel is good news. Isaiah 54, you just were in there. Verse 14 says, In righteousness, in righteousness, you shall be established. In righteousness, you shall be established. And then verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. See, this is not the righteousness of man that comes by works, but the righteousness of faith that comes by the Lord Jesus. And God said in Isaiah 42, 40 verse 2, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is, is pardoned. In other words, church, the war is over. The war is over. God saw the problem and he did all he, could, all he would to solve it through Jesus Christ. God did it. It's finished. And it makes the solution a sure thing then and even forever. No different than the promise made to Noah that he would never destroy the world again by water, thus the rainbow. If you don't believe me about the rainbow in a hose, go home, take the hose off your, 
in your house, if you got one, turn the water on in the sun, and you'll see. The rainbow is everywhere through the whole. It's here, right here. It's everywhere. It's undeniable. You just don't see it in a storm with sun. It's everywhere. The whole world is plastered with the rainbow and the covenant of God. See, too many Christians are even confused today. They think that God is judging them or someone before their time of judgment. There's no judgment at this time. Boy, if we could ever get that, we could be free. I mean, we have a sure word. We have a sure new covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus. And there are those who still think the old covenant thinking that if we violate the covenant, that somehow God has freed them to judge us. He's not. He doesn't go by what we think. He goes by the covenant he made with Jesus. Listen, the new covenant is between God and Jesus. You can fail all you want. He don't care. Because it's not between you and him. It's between God and Jesus. See, the problem with this type of thinking is the new covenant was not established with us. It was established with Jesus. Let's go to Galatians 3.16. Galatians 3.16. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Galatians. How about you? Galatians, it's in here somewhere, where it is. Somebody got the right Bible, you can get me the page. (laughs) You're right, babe, that's the same page I got. Thanks, Marie. Do you hear what she said? 1776, that's what she said. I have the same page. Do you want to know why? We have the same Bible, that's right. Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ Jesus. See, the promises were made to Jesus. The covenant was with Jesus. And because Jesus is now living in us, whatever Jesus got, we got. That's why we're prego. I mean, what the word prego means that, that Italian sauce in a jar. It's all in there, which means all of you here are full of it. You're full of everything that Jesus got, you got. And he gives you a whole lifetime to discover all of his goodness, all of his kindness. Because we are in him, we qualify to participate in the covenant. And we accept that God made a covenant with Noah and Abraham that literally benefits all of us. Our actions can never annul or alter the covenant made. Likewise, our actions cannot alter the covenant made with Jesus. We have and always will have a covenant of peace. Covenant of peace. It is sealed with the blood of Jesus. And what makes all this happen, I said it in the beginning, what makes all this happen? God's love. God's love. 1 John 4, 6 
And the New King James says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Amen? There it is. Love is the motivating factor behind all that God does. Just, just memorize John 3.16. For God so what? What did he do? He loved. Who did he love? Oh, just the, the 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 people in a church? Who did he love? He loved the world. Didn't he also say, I'm not willing that any would perish? But that all would come unto repentance. What did he raise? He raised a family. Not an army, a family. A family of sons and a family of daughters. And more than anything else, God is love. Therefore, you know and understand God only by understanding the God kind of love. And this is a major key. I tell you, when you catch this, miracles will start flowing all around you. Healing, faith, and peace. When praying for the sick or casting out a devil or interceding, it is not a matter of me trying to work up. My super faith, oh, i got to work it up. Jesus, could I do it? Could I do it? Could I do it? It's not a matter of trying to change God's mind. It's not a matter of an individual having been good enough to receive. All I know for sure is the great love of God that has already given the very best he has to offer. Who was that? Jesus. I don't trust in my super faith. I trust in God's super love. My faith is simply a response to the love and integrity of God. That's all it is. And that's how it happens. Amen? I've got to find this scripture. I've got to use my iPad. So give me a second here. Twist everything around. Get where I've got to be. Do what I got to do. But if you want to turn your Bibles to uh, Romans. Oh, what did you leave me for? What you leave me for, brother? Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I'm reading to you out of the Amplified Version. That means there's no words that, that, are, not, that are not included in this version. Because this is... The woman's version of the Bible. If you want the men's version, it's the Reader's Digest version. Let me, I mean, I told you last week, remember I talked a little bit last week about men and women and the difference? You remember that, Danny? Yeah, so this week, I'm outside. My wife's, not, my wife's in the house or she's in the back picking up uh, acorns. I don't know. But... Uh, we have this acorn tree t this year that is dropping more acorns than China's got rice. I ain't kidding you. We, we have hundreds upon hundreds of acorns coming off this tree every day. It does. Abundance. Favor. And she's picking them up, every single one, because if we don't pick them up, the squirrels grab them and put them in our lawn. With their, they dig a hole in our yard and bury them for the winter. So we got to get them out of there before they start ruining our grass, before we have potholes everywhere in our backyard. But I was up front watering my flowers, because how many know if you don't water your flowers in heat, they die? My wife plants a lot of flowers, but guess who waters them? 
And guess who brings the increase? The Lord. So this, this lady's walking by with her dog. She's got this cocker spaniel. She's walking down. She's, she's over here. Her husband's over here. Way behind her. He's, she's out here. He's way back here. And she's way out in front. And I'm watering my grass. And she looks at me and says, Your yard, your flowers are a breath of fresh air. Every time I walk by and I see your flowers in your yard, I think of Jesus. I said, I went, what? And she's talking to me, talking and talking and talking. She's the woman. She's talking and talking and talking everything. And she keeps walking, and the guy's walking behind her, carrying his empty bottle of water. Didn't say a word, not one word. Thus, the Amplified Bible. Romans 8.32. How many know Joyce Myers? Guess what Bible Joyce Myers used? Amplified Bible. Romans 8.32. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us. Us all. Will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other Things. This is, uh, before we go on, let me just say something. Apostle Paul, in writing these verses, we're going to read 32 through 34, presented a series of questions that should cause us to realize that God is not the one causing our problems. Not now, not ever. Okay? So the first question is, he who's, who did not withhold or spare even his own son and gave us up for his own, oh, has he not freely and graciously, graciously giving, give, give us all things? All things. That's why my wife said that she quoted that verse in out of the prodigal in Luke 15, verse 31. God says, all that I have, son and daughters, all that I have in the universe, all that's mine is yours. When are you going to believe it? What, you know, with a thought like that, that must mean that we have no lack. Our only lack comes when we don't believe. We don't trust. We don't rely upon the Lord. God has also pointed out that he freely gives us all things just in this verse. We receive freely from Jesus. When Jesus died for us, were we worthy? No, I think not. Romans chapter 5 says that when he died for us, we were his enemies. In Romans 5, amen? Were we good enough? No. In that Jesus did not have to die for us, I think not. If anything should have been earned, it, should, it surely should have been the right to become the sons of God. But that was freely given to us in Christ. It was a free gift free gift to be a son or daughter of God. And when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said in Matthew 10, he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He wasn't talking to ministers. He was talking to every son and daughter of God. Heal the sick, 
Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Matthew 10, verse 8. Mark it down. Memorize it. Jesus placed no price on his goodness then or now. He placed no price. And many like Jonah even today are afraid that if we preach... Let me remember the story of Jonah in the Bible. If we preach a free gospel to the undeserving, they're going to get saved. I don't want them wicked people saved. I mean, I had a lady years ago when I started talking about the goodness of God that I found in Christ. I had a lady come up to me after church with her finger and, and point her finger in my face. And tell me with no uncertain terms, her mother, as ugly and as mean as she was, was rotting in hell. And no goodness of God is getting her out. I mean, with that kind of attitude, I was like, whoa. Where is God's love here? Where is the heart of God? Amen? This is exactly the point of the undeserving needing to experience the love of God. Did God love everybody in Nineveh that Jonah was going to ask to repent? Did he love all those people? Yes. For God so loved the world, even, even Nineveh. And so when the undeserving experience the love of God, that kindness will bring them to a change of mind, which is repentance about God. And when they taste and see that the Lord is good, They'll never go back to what they were before. See, Paul continued to ask, verse 33. Verse 33 in here in Romans 8. Verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? That is, who puts us in right relationship to himself. See, in the original language, it says, Who shall bring an accusation against the chosen ones of God? Will God, will God who acquits, the, acquits them? See, God is not looking for fault in you. Are you listening? God is not looking for fault in you. Who's the fault finder? There you go. Don't work for the devil, church. Don't be working for the devil. Don't resurrect a defeated devil. He was defeated at the cross. Don't resurrect him. God is not looking for fault in us. So the obvious answer to verse 33's question is no. If God is the one who acquitted us, if God is the one who justifies us, if God is the one who makes us righteous, why would he turn around and bring a charge of or accusation ever? against us never do it god is not the fault finder think of it god gave me righteousness that i have i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus i do not come before him with my righteousness no i come before him with his righteousness he gave jesus therefore if god finds fault in me he's found fault in his own work Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verse 10. New King James. Ephesians chapter 2. 
You got that page, honey? Huh? Okay, 1789. You're right again. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. How many know what the New Living Translation says? For we are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why would God find fault in his own work? Obviously, he doesn't. And that means the feelings of not measuring up or the sense of fear and uncertainty I feel about approaching God are the product of my own heart. has nothing to do with God. See, God is not finding fault with you or me or us. The finished work of Jesus, though, tells me that God still loves and accepts me. And it tells me I can come before him with boldness to get help, even though I have many problems. How many in this room have problems? Better raise both hands and have five fingers up and your toes wiggling, too, in your shoes. Amen. <laughs> it tells me that I can come before him. And Paul continued, who? Let's go to the next verse. In verse 34, it says, who is, there to who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Again, Paul pointed out the absurdity that condemnation, fault-finding, and judgment would come from the Lord Jesus. And if that's the truth, church, and he's living in you, it shouldn't be coming from you either. No judgment against others. We got so many Christians that like to judge these mega pastors on TV. Get off it. What you measure out comes back to you. You judge, it's going to come back to you. I've given you a hundred examples with this with my own life. I remember when I was a young believer, I was in, the, in my workplace, and this, this guy who said he was a believer was reading porn, and I judged him. This when I was a young believer, before I was a pastor. I judged this guy, and guess what? Came back on me, and God says, don't judge. Don't judge. If Jesus is for me, and he's for you, and he's for us, he can't be against us. He would not be for us in the presence of God and against us in my presence. Feelings of condemnation, the expectation of judgment are not from Jesus. Jesus is for me. Sounds like the song. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. And the Bible says Satan, not Jesus, is the accuser of the brethren. Con condemnation does not help anyone come out of their problems. You ain't going to help anybody by condemning them. Rather, it destroys their confidence and self-worth, the little that they have. It paralyzes the confidence that God wants to help us. Condemnation is the strongest tool the devil has against a believer. 
I mean, I had a pastor friend this week, this week on Facebook post something. I said, my brother, I love you, but you're condemning. And it's not going to be well for the people that read your post. Please take it down. You've got time. You can delete it. I can't. You can And if he can make you believe, if the devil can make you believe that God is against you, he can separate you from the only one who could help you, God. We have been so conditioned to think God is the reason we have difficulties. And when trouble comes, I can hear God's people say, Oh, no. Oh, no. What, what, what have I done, God? Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me? Jeremiah 54.15 says he's not. Jeremiah 1.19 says he's not. Jeremiah 29.11, my thoughts toward you are not of evil, God says. But good, a hope, a future. And based on these scriptures, if God is the deliverer, he cannot be the destroyer. If God is for you, he cannot be against you. The New Testament says it this way, Let no man say when he's tempted that I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. In James 1.13, the word tempted means solicited to evil, trail or tribulation or scrutinize. Do not say that your trials are from God because they're not. And just so you know it, you're in the New Covenant. And in the New Covenant, God does not test you. Take it to the bank. If you're a father and you have a son, are you going to test him? I think not. You have a daughter. Are you going to test your daughter? I think not. What are you going to do? You're going to love them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to uphold them. You're going to show them kindness and love. And when they make a mistake, you're going to go there and comfort them and kiss them and hold them and pray for them. That's how God is to you. He's the same way with you. God is not looking you over for fault. He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've been made, we've been made, we have made God out to be the bad guy. The world does not know to, how to come to God because we've presented him to be the bad guy. He's not the bad guy. The war is over. God took care of the sin problem. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Your Bible even says, the Bible even says before the foundation of the world. If you want to stretch it out a little bit. But most people, Christians, feel that it's easier to be a sinner than to be a Christian. But be assured, the God we have shown the world is not the God Jesus showed to the world. There's a movie out, I hear, a Christian movie out says, show, I'm going to show you the Father. Either he was wrong about God or we are, but God does not have a double standard. I'm here to tell you I'm almost done. He does not require us to love and yet exempt himself from loving. He is the author of love. All real love comes from God. For God so loved the world. 
And his love was demonstrated in the fact that he sent Jesus to die as you. Jesus died as you. That's why when you meet Jesus, you meet you. Because Jesus is you. Hope you got that. When Jesus comes in us, he brings the Zoe life of God. All healing, power, prosperity, and the fullness of God are in you in Christ. And as you become persuaded in the love of God, you will allow his Zoe life to flow into you with confidence, joy, and thanksgiving. Amen? Being thankful in all things is the key. Before they start playing the last song, and they're going to do that in a few minutes as we're closing today's service, if you need prayer for a healing, I, I, I was in the shower again. I got the word of the Lord in the shower. You don't want to know anything else. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, pray for anybody who's sick, not feeling well, fighting something that you need an agreement. And the Bible says if two or more agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done. Amen? You need a healing? Guess what? You come to the right place. Amen.
Uh, she recently tested positive for COVID. Okay. And Tell her, call me, I'll help her. All right. And she's I helped Myron. Myron had COVID. I gave him vitamins and supplements. Myron, are you healed? They, were, they wanted to put him on a ventilator in the hospital. They, Rick's been healed. Rich has been healed of COVID. Bob, you've been healed of COVID. God can heal, right, brothers and sisters? God can heal. Let's lift her up, if you would. Her name's Corinne. Send her to me. Corinne. I have, I in Kenya, I have at least 20 people, and I have a whole host of RNs that I'm currently health coaching. I just, one girl from the VA, she had a terrible bout with COVID. I gave her the protocol to take, and in four days she was back to work. God is able to do it. The problem is we don't, we don't support our immune system. Our immune system has to be strong. And the American diet is not enough. What you eat is not enough. Because we don't usually eat healthy food. You know, we're always in a hurry. We're always picking something quick up. It's not good for us. So you need supplements. You need vitamins. And if you take them, I, I, I know you'll be okay. And if you're not, if you get COVID, we'll help you out. You will, you, God will take care of it. That's right. The leaves and the trees are for the healings of the nations. What's that? Let's pray for Corey. Is her name Corey? Corinne. Let's pray for Corinne right now. Jesus, we pray for a complete turnaround for Corinne in Jesus' name. And Lord, that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think by the power of the Holy Spirit that works within each of us. Lord, we pray for healing for our friends, our families, anybody we know. We're praying for Joanne, who was here last week, who has headaches. We're praying for her healing today. We're praying for Albert to continue to be healed in Jesus' name. We're praying for families across this nation. I pray for Marty March. I pray for Pat, Pat, Patricia Cottom. I pray for people. I pray for Bonnie Isaac. I pray for others, Lord, who are coming out and are beating this COVID. Lord, with the help of the Lord and some good vitamins and supplements and the glory of God. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.